ஐயோ பாரு அம்மா விளை வளேன்னு இருக்கா அவனோட பெட்டு ஸ்டூடெண்ட்டு ஒரே பெட்டு வெல்கம் டு லேர்ன் சென்டர் டிசைன் எஜுகேஷன் ஐம் யூ ஹவுஸ்ட் சௌமித்ரி வரதராஜன் இட்ஸ் அ ஃபர்ஸ்ட் வார்ம் டே ஆஃப்டர் அ பிட்டர்லி கோல்ட் ஸ்பெல் சமா அண்ட் ஐம் சிட்டிங் ஹியர் இன் மை பேக்யார்ட் மை பாட்காஸ்ட் ஸ்டூடியோ லுக்கிங் அட் ஐ ப்ளூ ஸ்காய் இட்ஸ் எயிட் தேர்ட்டி இன் தி ஈவினிங் தஸ் அ பிக் மூன் தஸ் அ ப்ளூ ஸ்காய் அண்ட் தஸ் லாட்ஸ் அ வெரி நாய்ஸி பேர்ட்ஸ் I enjoyed doing that intro. <laughs> so the word pet it's used in sort of slightly risky context but it is part of a phrase in Tamil where you say she is his pet student. So teachers have teachers pets. So we'll leave that for now and then we'll just keep going ahead. So today's podcast is about moderation. it's a thing that happens at the end of the semester after the examination when the grades are put into a spreadsheet for each of the courses then all the teachers get together and participate in a moderation program or a moderation process the word moderation it's like all these words that it potentially has an etymology where you can go into a dictionary and say what is moderation moderation is when things are not in the extreme uh, it's probably where it comes from but i think we can just stop we sort of looking at the etymology of the process and look at a performance and this is a performance that happens after the grades are put into a spreadsheet and it is considered good practice that you just don't put grades in a spreadsheet and award it to the students we're going back now to 1994 and we're back again at the indian institute of technology from this podcast my podcast style is going to be a bit different it's going to be pretty natty and it is going to open uh, season 2 of my podcast so i've completed 23 episodes that's a prime number good enough to call it a season and uh yeah time to move on so season 2 is going to be memories which go back in time to let's say a different phase of my life my 20s i'd started teaching it's still my 20s i'm into stockhausen i'm into philip glass um music is an intellectual pursuit and to prepare for this podcast i've been listening to stockhausen and i think i'm ready so to come back to moderation we're looking at um, 1994 iit delhi each of us are faculty members academic staff teachers whatever you call them have a room and outside the room so the room has a glass window that looks out onto the corridor So if I were to stick something onto the glass window you could look at it from the outside and so it it was a practice for the teachers to put up the mark sheet so if you teach a course and you have 20 students in it and then you put the marks for each of the students 
that tabulation could then be stuck on the window and the students would come by and look at it and go, oh, I got so much, you got that much. So you get it. You see everybody's marks on that one sheet. Um, I think just like Baudrillard talks about the mirror and the fact that we don't have mirrors because we've become really, really self-conscious, I think we've also um, changed in terms of how we display the marks. We don't display it for the whole class. Um, I mean, people do. It's still common practice in India, and it was common practice at IIT in those days. So you can't put those marks up there saying, these are the marks that I've awarded you for these courses that I've taught until you've been through a program of consultation with the other teachers. All right. Now, uh, there is a rationale. So if you were to go in and Google moderation, uh, it's quite possible that the universities are putting up a website saying, this is moderation, and these are good practices of moderation, and this is the right way to do it, and so on and so forth. But in 1994, there were no university websites saying these are practices for moderation. So it was a very, very local practice. Um, local. But then in those days, the local essentially meant that uh, most of the people who taught at IIT were back from Stanford or Purdue or their PhDs were somewhere overseas, Germany or something, and then they've come back and they've got all these practices and this is the right way to do it. So you teach a course and at the end of it, you have a program of assessment. In design, you uh, these days you have things called submissions, but in the old days you didn't have submissions. You had a presentation. They went, you went up to in front of a panel, and then you try and showed your work, and the panel marked it, and there might be three or four people in the panel, and um, it was a visual performance, which carries with it um, uh, lots of uh, downsides. So if you were young and good-looking and all that, uh, it's, it's quite possible you might uh, score okay. And if uh, you were likable, then you might score better. And if you were somebody who just, uh, you do really good work, but you're the most irritating person, then you don't score well at all. <laughs> so it's, it's not objective. And... Um, it looks like it's objective because it's it's a distributed panel, and but panels can take a dislike to people, there, and it is quite common. So there is that as one story, and we all have. Uh, if you're listening to this, and if you're a teacher, you know that um, um, these things happen. You, it's not necessarily in the teacher's pets space here, but we are in a collective uh, public presentation by a student and a whole bunch of people are marking them and later on their marks will be put on display and everybody will look at it and go, hmm, this scored well, I wonder why. So it, it's fairly, uh, it, th there's not, not a lot that is hidden and it's all visible to everyone. And so questions are raised and there's discussions saying, oh, they got away with that, good looking fella, got good marks and uh, things like that. Now, this is a presentation. Typically for industrial design, you don't have exams, so there isn't a question that somebody writes answers for and then uh, the person marking doesn't know who it is because there's only a number there and it's anonymous and they're marking an anonymous answer sheet. It's not like that. It is, if, you, if somebody submitted something to you, you know, you know who they are and you may prejudge them. It is the Wild West in terms of 
uh, kangaroo court kind of situation. It can be. I mean, these are all really nice people, so it sometimes is objective. But there's lots of places where a lot of things can go wrong. So, for example, we'll take two sort of different kind of personalities. So we'll take one and let's call him a uh, Jack Nicholson in The Few Good Men. And they're saying, I'm a tough guy and I'm Mark Tough and I want to make my students really tough and I want to make my whole course really hard and the and the test and what they produce, you know, so it's like, okay, okay, um, maybe the wrong place. But you've got the tough people and... Is there a place on the planet that I've been to? Uh, is there anybody, any community of teachers that I've talked to where uh, the tough guy isn't there? No. There's, um, uh, let's say, a quarter of the people have tough guy things, you know, push them through it and get them to do something really hard. And so it is the meritocracy and stuff like that. And on the other side, you have not the tough guy. So the tough guy is tough, but there is a possibility that in the toughness could be a dispassionate objectivity. We're just making these metaphors and hence we're giving them qualities, you know, like imagine a black horse, but uh, it's obese and it's it can't run in a race. And so you've got this picture of a horse, which is going to become horse flesh. So you have these kinds of metaphors. So you've got this tough guy metaphor. And then you have this other person who's who's uh, who's who's really ingratiating, right? I'm not using the opposite of the tough guy. I'm giving you a completely different metaphor. It's the person, it's a teacher who really wants to be liked by the students. And the students then say, hmm, that person? Yeah. Oh, maybe we go to the pub with them. Maybe we go have a cup of tea with them. Or maybe we just knock on the door and go, can you please explain something to me? And they go, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah. You got a problem? So they are engaged in a different kind of relationship with their students. Now, both of these people will teach courses. So in one semester, you know, the tough person will teach three courses, and the ones want to be liked person will teach another three courses. And so, and then they'll mark up these students. Now you have the same students in both these sort of categories of courses. And there's a whole bunch of other people doing various different kinds of things. And uh, there are absent teachers who mark in a slightly absent kind of way. And so there are people who say, mm, this is really terrible. You know, the whole process of sitting down and marking. Oh, it's, it's, it's a trope that it is boring. It takes too much time. And it's, if the work's not really good, it's not really engaging. So there's all sorts of things that happen in this space of the teaching. This is all... <laughs> going like you know washing dirty linen in public kind of thing but this is all stuff that you can see in uh, in contemporary sort of uh, school uh, television dramas which are which are horrendous where yeah there's all sorts of things about teachers and their staff rooms and then college teachers and we know all of that sort of stuff so we understand what these tropes are i'm just using a few of them to say that these exist it is society replicating itself. Uh, it just so happens to be that you're just saying that these transactional relationships are not about meeting somebody in, at a shop and buying them something from them, but it's about uh, you know, transacting and saying, I ask you to do something, you do something for me, and then I'll say how well you've gone with what you've done for me, kind of transactional relationship. And all transactional relationships have 
society replicating itself in them. So you, now you have this situation where uh, the university goes, mm, there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, we leave the stuff alone. And unless things become really bad, we won't have a commission of inquiry. But for the rest of it, we probably need a process to clean it up because uh, students will get wildly diverging marks from different kinds of people. So it's something that needs to be looked at. From the other perspective, so this is the teacher's scene, from the student's perspective, what you're looking at is that um, they are there to get an education. Really? Um, I think they're there as part of a social contract to be, it's a rite of passage. You go to university, you learn something, you don't learn a whole bunch of things, you opt for courses, and then you hate the teacher, you hate the subject, and then you can't get out of it, and you're still in there. And so these are also tropes. So you're Jim Morrison, and uh, you're in a film school, and you don't want to make films. You want to go out at night, and you want to play music, and you've got a band, and you're going to become very famous very soon and you're doing drugs and all those kinds of things. But you're in film school and you still have to make films and, oh, it's so boring. So there are these kinds of things. Life happens. So if a university is society reprodu reproducing itself, it's quite possible that there's, there's a quarter of the students who are really passionate and they're looking for something and it's working for them. And then there's a quarter, similarly, who are saying, hmm, whatever, I hope something clicks, something clicks. And they were sort of waiting for something to click, but they're sort of going through the motions. And then there's, you know, quite a lot of diversity. So now that you've got the teacher diversity, you've got the student diversity, and suddenly you've got quite a lot of intersections and all manner of things can potentially result from these combinations. You know, so you have, uh, let's say, to use a food metaphor, you've got, you know, uh, I don't know, you've got fried fish and you've got burgers and then you've got um, uh, laksa and you've got different kinds of things. And you need a standardization of all these different kinds of outcomes so that it can all be captured by a number. And if, it, if, if you abolish the numbers and you can give a narrative, then uh, I mean, things would get spectacularly more complicated. But it produces a completely different kind of... Uh, problem to be dealt with and it'll still have the same sort of diversity but how do you deal with that diversity okay so so there is a practice in uh, universities to have all the teachers come together with all the separate sheets of paper with all the student lists so let's say you're talking about four teachers now and each of them has taught three courses so that's about 12 courses and the the same students that they've all had, yeah. And so, it's possible for you to tabulate, uh, put up all these tabulations on the wall, and then go and have a look at it, saying, you know, you're the tough guy. You never give anybody above sixty. He said yes because I'm tough and nobody is good enough. And then the one who's pleasing, um, starting at ninety five and saying, oh, they really is really something. They're, they're redeeming features and stuff like that. So the university might say, I think. Uh, uh, look at all the marks as a sort of a clothesline, which means all the teachers' marks must start at something and drop down from there. Um, potentially problematic in the sense that it's quite possible that uh, the course was indeed tough and they all did shockingly badly or they learned very little, so their marks were actually quite low. So you might not be able to push them up artificially and give them very high marks because uh, the work genuinely wasn't of that quality. So this is a problem. And so the universities 
you know, now you've got this fictitious cabal of universities of the globe get together for a conference and come up with this new practice. Okay, so you've got this new practice. So this new practice is the ogive. Now, uh, if you've been to mechanical engineering school or you're into mathematics, you know that it's a really, really beautiful thing for statistical analysis. You've got this beautiful curve that goes up and then comes out. It looks like a hill and it sort of shows you a distribution. Everything on the planet can be explained with the ogive. You want to talk about fashion trends? Yeah. You can look at somebody and say, they are that part of the graph. Have I done that? Absolutely. <laughs> Why do you think I went to design school? To implement the ogive on uh, trend plots in aesthetics. Uh, Japandi. Okay. Which part of the ogive is Japandi? And is it in the peak? And you go, no. And then you go, okay, let's talk about sustainability then. So you've got oil, and there's going to be a point at which you're going to reach peak oil. Oh, is that peak oil? And then the supply is going to drop off, like uh, the bottom end, you know, coming down. So so the ogive is the bell curve. It looks, does it look like a bell? Not really, but you can make it look like a bellish kind of curve. So the university where I was, we would sit and we would go, you have to have an ogive. <laughs> there would be somebody in the committee. So so there'd be a, a circular that'll go out. This is pre-internet days. I say, hey, on Friday, we're doing moderation from 2 to 4. Okay, okay. okay. I mean, not 2 to 4. Friday, not 2 to 4. Maybe 11 o'clock on Friday. 11 to 1 is moderation meeting. Please be there. And please come with all your sort of mark sheets and all that. You say, yeah. And then we had this conference room, and on the front end of the conference room, you know, we're talking going back uh, quite some time. Uh, there was a blackboard. Uh, there wasn't a whiteboard in those days. It was still blackboard time, which is quite lovely. And you had a piece of chalk. And I have photographs of going and scribbling stuff there. And uh, how did I get the photograph? I have to think about that. Uh, so, so you, one by one, you go there, and then you put the distribution, and you. You show the archive, you know. Uh, one person got 95, one person got 50 or failed or something. And then, you know, clustering, 50% of the class were on the top hat part of the bell curve. So you've got to actually draw the bell curve. So we used to stand in front of the blackboard. And so I would go to these meetings prepared with my hand-drawn graphical. You actually drew it uh, using an XY axis and then drew the X number of people and you had the curve, and then you went and drew the curve. And then you pick, you can point out um, different people at different points, like why they're failing, can you not have done something about it? So you have to discuss that. And then this person is doing really good work, and why do you think they're doing really good work? And show us that work, and so on. So now you start to see that the center of the drive can be married up. Uh, does everybody do it like that? Ah, uh, it's, I've been to lots of moderations, and they do try and bring the peak of the archive for all uh, the tutorials in that semester for all the teachers to resemble, to be in the same place. Now, people who walk into that meeting, so when the meeting is announced, people who are walking into the meeting are coming really, you know, there are people who are really stressed out. And then you look around and say, I wonder why they're stressed out. Now, you have to understand the context of this thing. Uh, most people that I teach with, or I've always taught with, have are people who go to teach a course with a day-by-day schedule. It's like the students are like battery chickens. You know, you move here, and you get a slap. You move there, 
and you get a biscuit or something like that. So it's a it, it's a uh, do an action and you'll get a reward kind of method of education. So so they've got this thing set up, and which means that from the beginning till the end, they're actually tracking the students or they've given them tasks and things to do. And and if uh, some student is not doing so well, then they could be sort of quite vituperative about them or they can talk about ones who are doing really well. But I don't do it like that. I don't have detailed schedules. I believe in strength-based learning or or um, in activating the agency of the students. So when they come in at the beginning of the semester, I say, you're going to do a project with me? They go, yep. So I said, all right, I'll see you next week. I want a full a Gantt chart for the whole semester showing timeline, what are the kinds of things you're going to do, what are the stages. So you don't teach so much as get them to be the autodidact that they already are and have demonstrated for all their life. And so I don't have the structure. It is entirely given over to the students. But I also was somebody who doesn't mark the students. I get them to do peer-to-peer assessment. So it's very elaborate. So instead of rushing away and sitting in a corner, working at night, looking at student works and grading them and trying to write up uh, feedback for them, I... At that time, 1994, I have a photograph of 1995. I sort of booked the auditorium. I only had 25 students. It was a small lecture room. I booked it, and then I got the students to put all their works on the table, uh, the works that they'd been doing. And then the students, and against it were marking sheets. So the class would come and assemble in the front, and I would say, okay, now that all the works have been put up on all the benches, I want you to go around and put your name and take a look at the work and think about it and write a few comments and put a quantitative mark. So each student gets marked by, let's say, 24 others. And then, because I have a teaching assistant, I can get them to tabulate that and put it into Excel and then get an outcome. And you start to see the whole process. And then if I want to say that, okay, this person had these kinds of issues and I'm going to move these things around, I would do it in a more public kind of way. So the students are looking at it saying, I think you should do this more. I said, really? Okay, let's do it. So the acknowledgement of work and the celebration of work is also done quantitatively. It's very weird, isn't it? So when I come into moderation, I would say, I'm going to actually explain the whole process of assessment. And they go, no, don't do that. (laughs) Shut him up, somebody. Because I have this uh, uh, narrative that I will not assess. It has to be peer-to-peer assessment. And I will tell, I'll, I'll essentially talk about the literature or I'll talk about Paulo Freire or I'll talk about agency or student activation and essentially say that when you control the quantification of your life, you become a gym-goer or you become an autodidact or you become an Olympian, you become something amazing. And they go, oh, shut him up, shut him up, somebody. So you have, let's say, a twin-track system here. You have teachers who have something to hide And then you have me going and saying, I want to tell you and show you everything and photographs and and here are my archives and do you want to discuss it? And they go, no, 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 (laughs) I don't want to discuss that. Meanwhile, somebody is sitting in a corner and squirming and we all know they're squirming because something is not all right in the way they've done it and they don't want to be called and then they explode. So moderations are, quantitative moderations are a place where reputations are made or serial offenders are called out semester after semester and it's completely laughable but in the end when 
if you can't push them too much, it, there's a bit of a compromise. You say, okay, you, you, you want to go with a 99 for eight of your students? Oh, whatever. Let's, let's just leave him this time. So, so it's, it's, it's a fascinating, fascinating, complex world of people putting their reputation on the line and taking responsibility for the teaching and the students' performance and defending students and fighting for students. And, and then you go, what are you doing? So this is one kind of snapshot. I'm sure there are places where this is all done in a more civil fashion and the person who's doing something dodgy is called out. So I've seen instances where they go, yeah, so that's all right. So we've got a preliminary spreadsheet and we're going to appoint a committee that will just go over that and they'll check it. And then they'll move the marks around. And the person who's not conforming and they're doing them dodgy, uh, they get an appointment with the head of department and they have a bit of a chat and nothing gets resolved. And everybody sticks to their guns. But there is a due process that has happened. So that's a, that's a slightly different it's a, it's a slightly different way of doing it. Back in IIT, it wasn't done like that. It was, it was, it was a joust, and they would say, "We are the premier institution. We, our students are the best, and you can't mark them so low." And so there's there's a lot of discussion, and the, 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 I've sort of spent all this time talking about the quantification and the sort of. Uh, let's say, equalization or standardization of all the ogives between the different uh, teachers and the different courses. What usually happens um, before that is that it starts quite civil before the quantification because you actually do present your course and saying, this semester, this is what I did. And they go, yeah, yeah, we know, we know. It's a small community, so everybody knows everything. Well, we go through the motions and... Uh, these days, people would be looking at their phones, but there they're sort of looking away and they're sort of not paying attention. We're a small staff group in the staff room and behaving in this really uh, very amusing fashion. But you do talk about, passionately, you talk about how you designed the course and what you did and who were the high performers. And, so and they go, yeah, yeah. L can, we, can we get to the ogives? And so that the ogive is a collective thing that happens later. Now, so you understand that the moderation has a particular kind of practice, and it might look like uh, the a, a parliament in a in any country on the planet where people are shouting and there's various things happening and there's it's it's a debate. Well, not quite. It's just a thing. Now, the quantification of student work in the creative arts uh, causes a lot of unease, and people say marks uh, you know and then there's uh, there's i hate it and all that sort of stuff so so there's a the unease of quantification essentially means that there is it here's my hypothesis the unease with quantification creates this uh, huge florid qualitative discourse of performance not necessarily confected because i actually love this sort of uh, the walk through, the show and tell, the teacher standing in front of the works of his class, of her class, or not, and saying, this is what was tried, and these were the things, these were the challenges, and this person did that, and that was really nice, and look at that work, and look at this, and we go, yeah, yeah, that's really nice. And um, so it is a place where the teachers feel that they are being examined. Again, it's a place where I'll say, I 
threw it open to them and I said, you have a challenge. You have to do a project. Now tell me what is it you're going to do. <laughs> so I've not designed anything for them. And, and then starts a whole conversation. So you have, uh, let's say, a studio where you go in with a provocation or you have a studio where you go in with a program. This is a client. They want A, B, C. You have to do A, B, C and then D and plus X and Y and Z. And this is these are all the things required. And then you have to submit it. And you have to have a prototype and a CAD model and all these. So you have to be busy. My thing is, you don't have to be busy. You have to produce uh, a becomingness in you. Which means you have to come out of the other end saying, Oh my God, when I get to do a project, I'm going to kill it. Because I have seen something. Okay, so sermon on this... <laughs> Mount. So this, I'm standing there and my students would not have produced some very good looking work or they wouldn't be prototypes because I'd say if you do a prototype I'll break your hands or something to that uh, sort of metaphorically I wouldn't break anybody's hands. So you have a situation where the purpose of education and the agency of the teacher or so you do something for the whole semester and there is a moment when you have to stand up and show what you've done. And it it kills some teachers. And their, their levels of anxiety are something quite spectacular, spectacular to watch. Um, it's also a place where other teachers go into them. You go, why did you do that? Why? So and then you go, just leave them alone. I mean, you have your chance. You've done it your way. They're doing it their way. There is, this is not the forum. This is all over. We're looking at qualitative outcomes. Or we're looking at qualitative accounts of high performance. So you talk a bit about the high performance, you talk a bit about the challenges, you talk a bit about how the brief was set up, you talk a bit about how the panel came and the things they said, you know, this teacher is the best and all that sort of stuff. And you play some audio, if there's some audio stuff there, a bit of video, you, you know, whole thing. But if you do that whole thing, then each studio would need about 10 minutes. And if you have 16 studios, you know, it can be deathly boring because, uh, you might not be interested in those kinds of topics. So as a result, yeah, it, it's complicated. What happens if one of the teachers puts up the work and says, I'm not coming to present my studio for moderation? <laughs> you know, so then you get this problem. You say, no, you have to come. He said, no, I'm not coming. You are my grades. You can do what you want to do. So over a period of time, you go, I think we stop doing moderation walkthroughs. We'll stop putting up work. We'll stop inviting students to walk around and... Uh, Put, put their sort of comments on it. We, we stop socializing the acknowledgement of work. And this is also quite common. People just, just shrink into yourself saying, no, my job is to go into my garret and in secrecy I will mark. And nobody will know what the grades are or what is the best performance. So we lose something about the academy. Oh, so would be one position. And the counter to that is, this is so inefficient. You know, Do you have four hours to walk around looking at people's works? Do you have another four hours after that to uh, drink and uh, make small chat and uh, entertain industry people? Do design schools do that? Absolutely. But have a lot of design schools stop doing it? Absolutely. So people choose, uh, you know, if, you, if you're saying... Uh, I am not going to participate in the community because that is X number of hours and I don't have those number of hours and it's not written in my contract and I'm not going to do it. So so some of those kinds of places, those things drop off and some of these academies, uh, it is kept alive. 
And then you can ask, uh, what kind of places could I go to to see this full celebration of the moderation? And you might also ask, you know, at the end of that evening, would there be vomit on the floor? You know, so one has seen all these kinds of things. It's, it, it is, after all, a discipline in the arts. I know that uh, that uh, art see nature of industrial design is extinguished in a lot of places. But when I was at IIT and it was an engineering school, everybody was, I used to wear red trousers and everyone would go, artsy type. So the cultural artifact, the, we don't even use the word art because we've got, uh, we've got self-conscious about it. Uh, we use notions of creative practice and so on. So th- let's say that there exists then a spectrum. Okay, so this is the summary. Uh, on one end is the process of uh, marking and submission of marks where it is done completely in secret. You make the marks, it is put onto a, an online database and an individual student goes and looks at it and it's like they're using an ATM. You look at your mark and then you go, mm, that's my mark. And then and it's kept in secret. It's your secret. If you want to go around you know, putting it on your Instagram or something like that, feel free to do so, but it's held privately. And at the other extreme is the fact that, oh, somewhere in the middle is the fact that the marks are Uh, discussed and shown and debated and moderated and so on and so forth. Okay, And then uh, you have one extreme where you have the quantitative, but the cost of doing a full moderation-based quantitative is also uh, the desire to do a performative celebration of student work. Okay, so if the spectrum is from one end to the other, you know, one is performance of a particular kind it's excel and the other one is more like an exhibition and it's possible also that uh, these are different paradigms you know so the engineering school or the school or uh, the technical school paradigm which is very large university kind of paradigm is one and then the other one is an art school kind of paradigm where you have to socialize your work and that's the only place it'll get seen because it'll never be serially manufactured and it is something that uh, gives us a window into your soul and so on. So that is my episode on what is called moderation but it is essentially about uh, the collective socialization of assessment and its uh, standardization before its publication into the student's uh, grade sheet, online hidden grade sheet or publicly displayed grade sheet. Okay, so did I say that this one, this episode? Yes, I did. Unfortunately, I still don't have uh, new music for the outros. You're still going to get Scarborough Fair. I'm sorry. And as I complete... The moon is quite bright. The sky is inky blue. No, not quite. This is a pale blue. Pale mid-blue. And the birds have gone away.